1: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Naishad Gadani, and I'm coming to you live from Melbourne. And today is 159th episode of Career Care Package. And today we are discussing how I changed my life, life life-changing career stories, and particularly inspiring stories of resilience. And to really help us unpack this very timely, topic we could not find anyone better than simon finnick i heard simon uh, last year around july august when i was attending a social traders enterprise conference in melbourne and he came up to talk about how work changed his life and i think that the, the speech went on for 12 to 13 minutes in those 12 to 13 minutes if you drop a pin you can hear the sound it was absolute pin drop silence. I think most of us left with moist eyes on that day. And what well, rightly so. Simon's story is an absolutely inspirational story, but there is also a lot of learning as well, which is why we've called Simon to help us unpack the, you know, this very interesting, I know Simon has also penned in a book called Breaking Good, which is very different to the Netflix <laughs> show that you've seen, Breaking Bad. And this is a fantastic book. And we will put the link also in the comment section for you to go and check out and buy that as well. Because this is a story from somebody who has gone through unimaginable, you know, adversities. I say unimaginable because a couple of things that he talked about in his, you know, in his speech where I, I just could not fathom in my wildest dream you know as well but what it shows is that you can still bounce back out of all these unimaginable adversities so before we start to speak to simon let's welcome caroline brown
0: thanks nation i don't know what i can say to top that but just to say i I sent out an email to my database from my blog simon and i got about this talk i got so many people come back and go wow that sounds really inspirational i really want to um, inspirational, and I really want to tune into, the, um, into that today. So, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me on board. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Um, I think maybe a great place to start would be tell people about what you're doing now, and then we'll just sort of track back through your story if, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, no
2: problem. So, so currently, I'm I'm the operations manager with a business called Fruits of Work. Fruits of Work is a non for profit social enterprise that works with people who have come out of the justice system. In actual fact, everybody that works at Fruit to Work, uh, from management across the board, um, have all been impacted by the justice system and all have all turned its its their, their lives around. Wow. It's got an it's got an incredible success rate. Uh, to this date, uh, in uh, four years of, of operation, nobody has gone back to prison that has joined the Fruit to Work program. Wow. So it's got a zero a percent recidivism rate. I can't
0: say
2: um, that word, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you consider that the in Victoria, forty-seven percent of people that come out of prison in the first two years will go back, um, I think that we're doing something special. Um, yeah. It's a very basic business. We deliver fruit, milk, and and other other things like coffee, tea, or, or pantry items now um, to anywhere from infrastructure projects um, to to uh, offices. Mm-hmm. um to to factories uh to sh- to stores um and every dollar that we make we're not government funded at all but every dollar we make goes back into giving a chance uh to somebody like myself who yeah. has come out of prison and and really needs um that, that that second chance or that that door to open for them to change their lives wow
0: fantastic so tell us your story that i mean some really inspirational story and uh, starts with an accident that you had. Sure. You had, Did you have your own business or you're working for somebody? And... I,
2: was, I was working for somebody. I was working for a, le- a leading supermarket chain. So yeah. so in, two, in 2008, um, I considered myself a very successful man. I, I owned a 50 square home. It was five bedrooms. It was wow. double story. It was beautiful. Mm. Um, I, I drove a Mercedes-Benz. I rode a Harley-Davidson. You know, I had the perfect life, the two and a half kids in the white picket fence. It's it, uh, um, my, my life was grand. In actual mm-hmm. fact, I think um, everything I touched really up until then sort of turned to gold. Uh, and it was nothing through uh, sheer hard work, but I was very successful, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once uh, I, 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 had a, I had a great job, I was paying $130,000 a year. I only went to school to year 10, that was huge money for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I was not on top of the world. I was a, a champion, I was a kickboxing champion. I was a, a South Pacific kickboxing champion, a two times Australian kickboxing champion. So I was fit as a fiddle. Mm. Um, and one day whilst I was working in the warehouse, I was struck in the back with a forklift and my two lower discs you know, in my spine were damaged. Yeah. Um, and that fitness, that 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 healthy man had, had disappeared. I I went from from being very fit to being in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I was in constant pain 24 hours a day, Um, I don't know whether either of you have ever suffered chronic pain, but it just never leaves you, you know, it's in your sleep, it's when you're awake, you can't stand up, you can't sit down, I couldn't do anything for too long, and after going through uh, the doctors, going through physio, chiro, spinal therapy, um, hydrotherapy, um, acupuncture, I I tried everything over a 12-month period and nothing worked. In actual mm-hmm. fact I'd, I'd, I'd watch my wife go to work, I couldn't even take my kids to school um, and I really started getting depressed. The doctors put me on 12 different medications and I started getting suicidal thoughts because I felt useless as a man, useless as a, as a father, useless as a husband.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then one day uh, um, in, in the middle of the afternoon, a friend of mine rocked up, uh, came to visit me because I'd disappeared from all my social scenes, I disappeared from my kickboxing scene, I disappeared from the guys I used to go riding bikes with, Um, so I I really became a a homebody. Um, One day out of the blue a friend of mine or an acquaintance of mine rocked up um, and he had some marijuana and he said, you know, you look like crap, this is supposed to be fantastic for pain, give it a whirl Mm. and I was desperate and I would have tried anything and I did. Um, but the marijuana did me no favours. In actual fact that uh, when, I, uh, when I tried the marijuana, I felt stoned and that slowed everything down and it actually intensified the pain for me, it was terrible. So I said, oh, you know, I can't do this. And then not in any way um, in this story do I condone drugs in any way, shape or form because uh, the end of the story is it ruins your life, right? But um, a few weeks later, the same, the same friend come back and he had some methamphetamine, he had some ice, And he said, try this, you know? And uh, I I watched him use the ice first. And I said, that doesn't look too bad. There was no scary needles or anything like that. It was purely a smoke in in a glass pipe. I said, I'll I'll give that a whirl. And from the very first time I used ice, I was instantly addicted. The the feeling that I got from that ice was amazing. you know, that depression, that darkness all disappeared. Yes, I wasn't cured. My back injury wasn't cured, but I felt a hell of a lot less pain. You know, I was able to get up, I was able to do a few things, my confidence was a lot better. You know, I rang up work and said, Hey, I can come back on light duties and you know, my mind was going a million miles an hour. From from that very first time you use ice, it releases three months worth of dopamines in that first go. Wow. And then it takes you um, three months to get them back. So you can imagine, you are, you know, uh, there's a common saying in the ice world, and that's uh, a rooster one day. So you're a rooster the day you take ice, yeah. and then the next day you're a feather duster because yeah. you are completely depleted and drained. Yeah. yeah. So, so my journey started. I thought I was smart, and I thought I knew more than the doctors. Um, ice made me feel good. So what I did is I started self-medicating on ice. I started, my habit was at $50 a day. I threw all the doctor's medications in the bin and I thought I've got this under control. I'll self-medicate $50 a day um, and I'll be able to do a bit more. I'll feel a bit better, I'll feel better about myself. But little did I understand what the side effects and the repercussions were of getting into that ice world. Mm. Um, very quickly, that, that habit from $50 went to 200 Went to 300, went to 500, you know, and I think at the end I was using between a $1, and 1,300 dollars a day. Wow. Which 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 led to another problem. Um, not only was I mixing with a lot of unsavory characters, but then I had to try and um, support my habit. Now, again, in the in the in the drug world, you either deal or you steal. You either deal drugs or you thief to. To, um, to sustain your habit. Well, I never ever made much of a good thief, so I was pretty good with numbers. I thought I would start dealing drugs to sustain my habit. Again, um, that was just another step deeper. You know, getting deeper and deeper, not only into crime, but you know, in, into the drug world. Um, along the way, I was uh, I was shot. Um, I was shot in the thigh, and I was stabbed three times in the back of the neck, and I nearly died. Um, whilst using ice, um, I lost my father, um, my mother, uh, my brother and my daughter in a very short period of time. Um, that led me to even to, to just a deeper and darker area, wanted to use more and more drugs um, and have a little respect for the law or for life. Uh, I think the year that I, I lost my daughter, I had five suicide attempts. And it's only, only till recently, till we, till we released the book that I had realized that out of those five suicide attempts, uh, um, at least two of those suicide attempts, I really did want to die. Yeah. I think the other three were more of a cry for help, but there was no help. Mm. Um, um, you know, just getting myself into more and more trouble. And before I knew it, I ended up in jail. Mm. So you know, I got raided by the police uh, probably about three times, and each time the police would find drugs. Um, That wound me up in jail, Mm. Um, so going from their 50 square home to the wife leaving, not wanting to have a bar with their dad because he was a drug addict, um, to all of a sudden I'm in a a prison cell. You know, from being that successful person to being a nobody in jail, Mm. Um, you know, you're you're in a prison cell which is tiny, Uh, you're, you're bunked up with another guy, you know, you're eating um, a meter from the toilet, you know. Sometimes while you were eating, your cellmate would use the toilet. Mm. Um, that was the lowest point of my life. Jail was the lowest point of my life. Did I deserve to go to jail? I, I think I did. Mm. You know, I think I'd lost my way that bad that only jail could could have fixed me. Or a rehab, but I was never offered any sort of. I never had that sort of money. I never, you know, I um. I was never offered any sort of rehabilitation. So it was straight to jail for me. And whilst I was in jail, um, you know, it was a big wake up call for me to be locked in a cell for 22 hours a day, come, come coming down of all those drugs. I mean, you're not allowed, not allowed to even have a cigarette in jail. So a big awakening call. Um and you know, all of a sudden it's come to me that my way isn't working anymore. Mm. You know, the successful way I knew, the successful way I was brought up with beautiful parents um, who really put a lot of time into me to be successful, my way wasn't working anymore. I had lost my way. Mm. So I knew I had to develop some skills very quickly for once I was released, which was a 12-month twelve month jail term. Once I was released, I had to um, learn some tools that I was going to cope on the outside. I was going to succeed. Um, I needed I needed to adopt something new because my way didn't work anymore mm. so I did as many programs and, I, and as many courses as I could in jail and programs and courses aren't easy to get into in jail it, 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 it's really strange the way things work out but um, I was sentenced four and a half months into my prison term mm. so for the first four and a half months I was only allowed to do very short courses one or two hour courses and then By the time I was sentenced, um, I wasn't jailed long enough for me to do the long-term program. Mm. But some of those programs had the seven-month waiting list. Um, So what I would do is basically go beg um, to the officers at their desk every day and say, look, can I at least get one day in here? Can I get a day in there? Um, Are there any cancellations? Has anybody been released? Can I take somebody's spot? And if I got a good prison officer, they would make a phone call. That's all they have to do is mm. make a phone call and, and, and try and get you in. And if you got a bad one, they would just tell you where to go. Mm. Um, I was very fortunate in the 12 month period that I was in jail, I, I completed over 23 programs ranging from drug use to mental health, uh parenting, um, relationships. Um I, I you know, I, I really wanted to to be released with with, with tools.
0: Mm.
2: Once I was released from prison, I thought my life would be very easy to pick up, but that wasn't the case either. Mm. Um, You know, I I thought because I had been successful before, I thought I could go straight back to that life. You know, for one, I had to earn the respect back of my children um, because I had lost that because in that time I'd put drugs before my kids. Uh, as a lot of addicts do not that it's ex- excusable because if anything uh, for me is the is my biggest regret today and, and that was putting drugs before my kids so, so I had to earn respect of, of my children uh, I had to earn respect back of, of my brother um my, my wife had gone so I accepted that um and I just had to try and, and pick my life back up where I had sort of left it mm. um I was released from prison with nowhere to go, so the jail had organised a boarding house for me. That was a putrid, um, it was absolutely a putrid accommodation. You know, the the accommodation that I, where I thought I was going to start my new life, um, when I had knocked on the door to enter the accommodation, the lady, a lady had opened the door, she was clearly affected by heroin, slurring her words, one eye open, you know, pointing me down the hallway, telling me where my room was and doing three padlocks on the door like, like Max smart, you know, and doing these three padlocks on the door and telling me that um, I have to lock my door every time I go to the toilet because everything gets stolen. The house stunk of, of alcohol, of empty beer bottles. Um, and when she opened my door, she told me that my room stinks because the guy in the room next to me has mental health issues and urinates on the wall. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And sure enough, when she opened the door, that's exactly what I got. I got this big waff of urine. It was, it was vomit material. It was terrible. Uh, she, she, she showed me the bed. The bed was just a mattress and base. It had a big dirty brown blood patch on the mattress. And there were syringes on the carpet. And, and this is where I was supposed to start my new life. Um, so that was a huge shock for me. My brother had driven me to the uh, to the accommodation. Um, he made it very clear that he would help me as much as he could, but I, he, he created a boundary that I wasn't to go live with him, which was fine. I mean, he, after all, he was a justice of the peace, and you know, I'd just come out of jail, so it wasn't wasn't great for anybody. Um, and I begged him not to stay in that in that accommodation, and he had put some money up and got me into a better a better boarding house, a drug-free boarding house which was a start. But when I, was, while, when I was released from prison, I wasn't released a free man either. I was released on a corrections order. And that corrections order meant I had to do a few requirements for, for the justice system. One of them was I had 380 hours community work to fulfill. I had to do a judicial monitoring, which meant I had to go before the judge once a month. I had to see my caseworker once a week. I had to do a mental health program. I had to do a men's behavior program and I had to do a drug and alcohol program. And most of those took one day a week, mm. as, well, as well as try and live, try and get a job. Mm. Now, I was released from, uh, from prison on, on Centrelink for the first time in my life. That was uh, four, $520 a fortnight. Uh, the boarding house was $200 a week, and it left me $60 a week to survive on. Wow. I, that was tough. Mm. Uh, after the first week, generally, I'd be broke and hungry. Um, I was going to the Uniting Church for food parcels and the Salvation Army one week, Uniting Church another, because you're only able to get one food parcel a fortnight. Um, Every job that I applied for, uh, because they saw a criminal record, because because they saw a back injury, and anyone that was even a quarter interested, as soon as they knew all my other requirements, the the doors kept closing. I think I applied for 12 jobs and and was unsuccessful to any. I was getting very desperate. and going back to dealing drugs, because I was released in my own suburb, going back to dealing drugs w- would have been a very easy option for me. But I knew that I would have, again, lost the respect of my kids. I knew that I would have most likely end up dead this time, um, or 100% I could have guaranteed that I was going to go back to jail. Mm. That, that was not going to happen for me, I, you know, I never wanted to see the inside of a jail game. Mm. Um, when I was at the end of my tether and very desperate, I, I went to see my caseworker and I explained to her my situation. I told her that I'm hungry. I told her that I'm broke. I told her that I can't get a job. And, you know, I told her that I'm thinking about going back to dealing drugs. And by fluke, the company that I work for now, Fruit Work, had put a flyer through for all the corrections officers saying, hey, if you've got somebody with an offending background, we've got one position available. We've got a job for somebody who, you know, who, who wanted a second chance. The company was very small at that time. That only just opened up. They were in operation for about six months. There was only one other guy working there and, and my boss. Um, I applied for the job and I got the job. Now, getting that job, being offered that second chance meant the world to me. Mm. It was two days a week. It was starting at 1.30 in the morning on the other side of town. Packing fruit, uh, picking fruit, packing fruit, and delivering them to, to oxygen. Um, but that job meant the world. It meant, one, I got out of the house that I had isolated myself to because I didn't want to get myself into any trouble. I didn't want to go to any pubs or, pub or anything like that. So I, I'd isolated myself in my bedroom the first 12 months that I was released from prison. And that was like being in prison again to a certain degree. Mm. Um, but I got this job, I started mixing with good people, I, I was wearing a high-vis uniform, I felt like a member of the community again. You know, um, we'd have leftover fruit at, at, at the end of the day and I'd be driving around the city and I'd be stopping at all the homeless people and giving them the leftover fruit and I felt great. Mm. You know, bringing home a pay packet into the world. You know, what um, let my kids see that their dad is going to work, coming home in a high-vis uniform. I was entrusted with a company vehicle. I was entrusted with a fuel card. I was entrusted with passes to office buildings, you know, exclusive office buildings in the city. Um, You know, I I started regaining confidence. That that pay packet meant that I could move out of that boarding house and into a shared house. It was just Mm. me and one other lady. That meant that I could have my kids over, you know? So I was earning all all the time. I was getting my life back. I was able to fix my teeth. The Victorian police were enough up and on my teeth, so I was able to fix my teeth again, um, and, and which meant that I didn't have to uh, smile with my hand over my mouth. Yeah, I was so embarrassed. I could look at somebody in the face. You know, people were always happy to see me because I was working. They didn't know my history. I wasn't. I didn't feel like a junkie anymore, and I didn't feel like a fool anymore. Mm. So my confidence started to grow. Um, I found something that was good at. I was able to relate to guys and girls who came out of the justice system, and because I was fairly senior, I got to work my way up to being a team leader and help the guys and girls coming through the system, and before I knew it, I was offered the, um, the, the opportunity of being the operations manager, um, which has been life-changing for me because I've had a lot of say in helping guys and girls um, ch- change their path, you know? Mm. For being, um, a mentor to, 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 to guys and girls who have been lost like, just like I was. Um today today I've got a you know a a beautiful beautiful fiance, she's got children, so I've got a, a new family. I've got my kids back in my life. Now I've got a company car. Um we've got our own we're renting our own home and, and I, I I feel like a millionaire. Yeah. yeah? I've got wow. my life back.
0: Wow. It's- it's such an inspirational story, and I mean, amazing kudos to you in, in all of that. And what do you think was the moment? Because because not everybody's able to do that. So what was it? Was there any one point for you that turned that around? Where you? I mean, you said you went hit rock bottom in jail, but some people stay at rock bottom there. So what was it for you?
2: It, it, it was it was definitely jail. I, look, I, I want I wanted help and I needed help before jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I definitely needed some sort of grief counselling. I I, 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 one of my biggest personal failures is I, It takes me a long time to accept things, so mm-hmm. I, I never accepted the fact that I'd lost all that family, and 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 then all I could do was concentrate on the family that I'd lost, not appreciate the family I still had left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so once once I got to jail and I'd done a few courses, um, I knew jail was rock bottom. I, I looked at guys in prison, and there's two types of guys in prison for me. There's guys who are in there that, that don't want to be in there and want to change their lives, and there's mm. guys in there that really um, that really should stay in there for a very long time because they don't have no remorse about any crimes that they have uh, committed uh, and have no intentions of changing. Mm. Um, so that was a big wake-up call. Mm. Um, I, I knew that prison, uh, you know, prison, um, that was a turning point for me, mm. but, but I needed help. Um, mm. so I really had to try and get uh, as much help as I could in the system, mm. which was mm. very hard. And, mm. and there, there are plenty of drugs in jail, too. I, I, I must say, if, if, if people think you know you go to jail, and it's like a compulsory rehab, it's not because there's, mm. there, there's just as many drugs in jail as there is out of jail but i i had
1: to get my life back so and that that was all hard work yeah. mm. and it's so so inspirational i think we've got some comments Barin says really inspirational simon more remarkable is that you've decided to come out in the open to share your experience asha Lata also says the same and brooke says very powerful story simon continue to share your story with us um, you know, as well, you know, we, I, I think one of the, one of the things that I can, you know, I've worked in job services, job active before, and, you know, I had the opportunity to work with people who spend time in jail and then they've come out. One of the, one of the biggest thing for them is work because in the absence of work, you know, more, more or less, we are, you know, mental health issues, you know, having less money in your pocket and, you know, that's where it, it you know, the, the rebound happens when you start to say, you know what? I know a thing. I know how to make money because I've done that before also. How did you really kept that that amount of you know you know or a steadiness in, in your thinking? Because as you rightly pointed out, you did X ex- express that you know to your caseworker that you might just go back and do the same thing you know what 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 were some of the other things that you did that really stopped you going from the i
0: lost my kids
2: once i didn't want to lose them again
0: Mm.
2: you know i lost i lost faith of the people that love the people around me that cared they they forgot about me Mm. And, and rightly and rightly so because what happens when you enter the drug world, you only surround yourself with other drug addicts. Anyone who's good for you in your life, you push away, mainly because you're ashamed and embarrassed, or they're not fun anymore because they're not the ones that have the drugs. Mm. So, so if, if, if trying to get my kids in my life wasn't enough of a deterrent, um, n- nothing was. Mm. You know, trying to earn the respect of the people that love me, uh, nothing, nothing was uh, a bigger deterrent than that. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I agree with you on that one, because, you know, Simon, what are some of your thinking, you know, it's in the COVID times where you've seen people, you know, also going through a lot of pain right now when it comes to employment issues. I think for to work, we have also you know briefly spoke about how you also tried to kind of pivot to where you can you know continue to run your business you know as far as usual as possible. You know what would be your you know you know tips and thinking uh, you know about people who are right now struggling, may not necessarily with with the background that you had, but just generally what would what would you? I, 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 I definitely haven't got with? a magic
2: wand, and and and, and nor yeah. am I Mother Teresa or, or, or you know, um, but but the only thing I can really Suggest to people is, is just never give up, never give up trying. Whether you're fighting mental health, addiction, money issues, you know, never give up because in my deepest, darkest hour, when when I when I tried to suicide, you know, I, I would not be here today and, and and live the success and have the story that I have had had I have succeeded. You know, it's it's um, it's just a fact of one day at a time, and 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 not giving up. And even mm. if you've got a, even if you've got a loved one that is lost to addiction, that is lost to mental health, don't don't give up on them either. Mm. You know, because it it only takes one person. For me, it was my brother. Mm. You know, he's he's all I had left, and he could have quite easily walked away because I was a nuisance. I was trouble. Mm. Mm. But, but, you know, it just gave me that little bit of hope to want to do it for somebody who still cares for me. Mm. You know, when, when, even when my kids didn't want to borrow me, my brother still loved me. He, you know, he, he, he still showed interest in me and that meant that I had something to work for. Yeah, so, so, so basically in a nutshell, one day at a time and, 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 and never give up because there was always light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Simon so, mean, you spoke about like you know your Aldi days with the car and the house and all of those things and I imagine uh, ingredients for happiness might look a bit different for you now like what what would you say is having come through that experience of the ingredients for being you know happy and productive in your life?
2: Do you know I like I said everything I had touched had turned to gold in my life and and maybe that was uh, a bit of punishment for me too because even though everything was so great, I don't think I really appreciated what I had. Yeah. You know, I owned I owned all those toys, I owned that beautiful house, now I rent a house. You mm. know, but I, I am so appreciative of the people in my life. I'm so appreciative at the second chance I've got at life. Because my, my days were done, my days were dark. You know, mm. for five long years, I wanted to die. And I would try and find ways or or, or, or think of ways how I, to, how I was going to end my life. Today, I wouldn't end my life for quids. All I want to do is live, mm. you know? I, um, I've i just lost 20 kilos. I've, I've been running again for the first time in 20 years. Um, yeah, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate flowers. I appreciate the springtime smell. I, I never appreciated that before,
0: mm. you
2: know? And, and, and I think COVID has maybe made a lot of people appreciate what they actually have in their homes, what they have with their families, you know, away from the nine to five grime where you, all you do is think about work and you think about, you know, getting the bigger house and the better car. Mm. I, I think that COVID has made people um, really appreciate what, what, what they really have.
0: Mm. Yeah, when it's taken away. What about with fruit to work? What um, what things do they have in place to support people make the same sort of transition that you do? Do they have a specific program that they they run?
2: Yeah, well, we we we, we run a program where what we do in the in the first couple of weeks that we employ somebody. Because one thing I, I didn't mention is we're a transitional employment program. So mm-hmm. what we do we keep the guys and girls for roughly around six months. You know, if someone's not ready, they could stay there twelve months. If someone's advanced, they could go in three. But what we do is, we, when they when they enter the program, first thing we do in the first week is sit down and say, "What's your first three goals?" Mm-hmm. You know, what are the first three goals you want to achieve um, in the first month of working at Fruit to Work? And you know, some of them are very simple at the start. You know, being able to afford petrol in your car, mm-hmm. you wanted to pay board to their mothers or, or fathers. Coming home in a high vis uniform, and and then in a you know in a month's time we we'll revisit that and say, okay, what are your next three goals? Mm. I want to I want to get my car uh, registered. I want to get it insured. You know, I want to move out of my mum's home or out of um, commission home and move into private rental. Mm. You know, I want to work at getting my kids back in my life. You know, in a month's time we, we look at that and 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 see if they've achieved that and if they have it, what else we need to do. Mm -hmm. If they fall fall off the wagon, we've got all the mental health and and, um, drug and alcohol uh, procedures in place that we get them help with that as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's really a foolproof plan, but it's a no BS plan either. If you're Mm -hmm. going to come in to work and uh, you're going to expect sympathy, you're not going to get sympathy, you're going to get empathy, Mm -hmm. right? If you're going to come in and tell me a yarn, a story, I'll, I'll see it a mile away. If you're going to come in and you want to take the chance with both hands and run with it, we will help you to the hill. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know, I, I saw some similar approaches uh, in an Aboriginal uh, drug and alcohol. There's a documentary done by somebody, and I think it must be a sports or so, someone you know who's, working as a boxer or something but that's what he he decided to work with the most troubled you know people who were affected by drugs and alcohol and police and 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 what you just said Simon is that he he does not hear any yeah. excuses he said if you if you got a problem yeah. talk to me I have no problem but, but there was just a it's not a kind of a military style but they said just got through the clutter and, and focus on you know on what really works for you because we know that by by telling you these straight questions it's going to work yeah you know by engaging in the same behavior it's not going to work so i think i think that
2: that's really fantastic so how many people do you work have you got in front to work now uh, prior to COVID, we had we had about 14 people 14 people over six months turns to 20 28 people um we'd like to build a business up to 50 people um, I think we can cover that fairly well, but the only way we can do that is by selling more fruit and milk. You know, mm-hmm. so so the more workplaces that take us on board, every cent we make goes into giving it a chance to, mm. to somebody to somebody like me. Mm.
0: So it's not government funded; it's it's a commercial. Not at all. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: So everybody who's working, watching
2: this, <laughs> reach out you to know, Simon. I'm sure every every office has um, has coffee and tea. Mm. You know, I'm sure every office has milk in their coffee. Mm. You know, we, we, we don't ask for any handouts. We're not overpriced. We supply a service. Mm. You know, um, why not use us as a service and give back to the community? Mm. You know, it, it costs over $350,000 a year to keep somebody in jail, right, with a 0% recidivism you know, we're giving back to the community every day. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's really
1: awesome. Uh, and I will put the link to Simon's book as well in the in the comment section for you to go and, and buy and give kudos to Simon as well. Uh, but I don't have any questions, more questions for you, Simon. Anything else you maybe want to, you know, ask? Yeah, I
0: know. It's just sort of curious about some of the education that you did in, in jail. Was there any one course or, or book that you read that was particularly inspiring or, or useful to you? Or is it more the act of keeping yourself
2: learning? Uh, look, I really think any of the mental health programs really helped me. Just, mm. just, just the, the, some of them were the, just the most minor programs. But, you know, if I took one thing out of each program, it was a, a, a success. Mm. You know, a program is dealing with worry, dealing with emotions dealing with grief, they, they, they really helped me. Mm. You know, um, relationships, we, we, I, I had lost my way, you know, to, to a point that I was unrecognisable, both internally and externally. Um, mm. So it was all a big help. And even linking in with, um, with I linked in with, um, they had Alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous they never had narcotics anonymous they had alcoholics anonymous even just linking in with those guys and going to a few meetings you know i picked up this saying where the guy who who was um who was taking the class said try six months once you're released from prison without drugs or without alcohol and mm. if your life is no better go back to your shitty drugs and alcohol you know that stuck in my mind i'm mm. going to give it six months you know my life is starting to get better he, he's telling the truth just, mm-hmm. just just little things like that really practical very but very basic but yeah. you, you have to you have to go back to basics when, when, yeah. when you've lost your
0: way. yeah absolutely fantastic
1: excellent Simon thank you again look you know uh, for generosity coming I know it's you know, you, you, you know, you've got a uh, you know, great story to tell uh, as well, but thank you coming on our show and sharing this story. I'm pretty sure that it would have, you know, inspired, but also give people a lot of perspective around work and happiness and resilience as well. So thank you again, Simon, for joining us and we wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Thank you
2: again. It's been an, it's an absolute
0: pleasure. pleasure. Lovely to have you.
1: Thank you.
0: Okay. So- All
1: right. Tomorrow, tomorrow, me and Caroline will be back on our 160th show. And tomorrow, we will be taking your questions about job search, career, or even how to make your cat an Instagram superstar. So we will cover a range of topics. So please make sure that you join us tomorrow, 3 p.m., and we will do this again. Uh, once again, thank you very much, everyone, and bye for now. Bye
0: for now.
1: Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that.